Sometimes it's a lovely bake, but sometimes it's a bit dreadful. Hello, and welcome to the Gingham Altar. I'm Mac. And I'm Megan. Every week we tackle another episode of everyone's favorite baking competition, the Great British Bake Off. And after we've said our piece, we try to put our bakes where our mouths are and replicate some of the recipes from today's episode. This week we'll be talking about Season 5, Episode 1. That's right, it's Cake, cake Week! Cake Week! Cake! Mm, God, Cake. <laughs> cake is the only thing that matters! <laughs> cake is what I think of when I think of baking. Yeah, it is the kind of the go-to, you know, I'm going to take it to the potluck. Mm-hmm. It, it's the only thing I have a special dish for to display in my same, house. Same, same. That is actually a point of contention between my husband and I, or my husband and me, not sure. But, um... So we move a lot, and I have a very heavy lead crystal cake dish. And it's very, it's multi-purpose. It's actually super useful. That is sarcasm. Because uh, <laughs> it's one of those where you can flip it over and make a punch bowl. You can use it. I, I think I have the exact same yep. one. Is it the Dubliner, a, a Dublin design? I don't know, but it's kind of got like a, a wavy design in the base. Nope, nope. This one's different. Oh, okay. This one's different. But it. But mine does the same thing. I yep, know what you're talking yep. about. And you can flip over just the base, and then it has like, you can pretend like it's a chip and dip or a fruit and dip. And so it's really great for all of the events that I don't attend or host or yes host. exactly so it's uh, he doesn't get it every time he's like what can we get rid of before this next move because we move a lot and uh he his first suggestion is always like well you could get rid of that stupid 50 pound cake safe and my response to that is you go to hell and so like right, exactly. no. and i need everything in the kitchen so you can just walk your happy ass somewhere else to figure exactly, out exactly yeah away. move along I was smart and we got rid of the lazy boy or I got rid of the lazy boy before we got married because once you're married you don't have any leverage and <laughs> you've got to like wait for it to actually make sense to get rid of things but before you're married you can be like come on but I'm sexy and yeah after you're married it's like it's like you'll be sexy when yeah exactly <laughs> give it time <laughs> you and I both know we can't hold out forever so that is the tale of the cake safe, the coffee table, and the lazy boy. All right. So are you ready to go to Welford Park in the so English beautiful. County of Berkshire? And I wrote down the exact same thing when I was watching it. Like, must visit the hidden gardens of Welford Park. It's always very, like, pretty when they're there. However, I did notice that they're, like, shots of, like, showing off this place where they've put the tent up mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff was done on a different day than they uh, started correct. baking. And... Because the weather was much better. Yes. And there are always a couple of episodes where it's just hot as balls. And I cannot think of anything worse than being surrounded by ovens when it's, like... 90 95 degrees outside so i'm actually on the berkshire county uh, wikipedia page and apparently in the last general election they voted they gave 329 votes to the monster raving loony party excuse me and i don't know what that is but i'm a huge fan (laughs) you're a member now yeah exactly i was like (laughs) i I was like 330 when i moved there monster raving loony party i don't know i they have a lovely maroon color on wikipedia so (laughs) there you go there you go like you said 330 but actually that's something you know as we kind of like get into starting this season i could not for the life of me figure out based on what people were wearing what time of year it was 
Uh, That's a good point. Because Ian was in this big chunky sweater, and then there were other guys in like t-shirts. I was like, mm-hmm. what? What are we? What are we wearing? You know, Mary Berry Maybe. was in like a puff jacket at the end, and then yep. like some people are just in shirt sleeves. It's like, what's going on? Would you rather cook while it's hot or cold? I just want to cook inside where I can control the temperature. Yeah, fair. And I think that that's something that has always kind of like mystified me about this show is... Why are you outside? Right. And even after it got so popular, like the first couple of seasons when like you're trying to like prove a show works and like, you know, get the budget and all that together, Mm -hmm. fine. This is the fifth time that they did this. And I like, maybe it's tradition at this point, but like, and it's going to come up later in the season that like the temperature really Mm -hmm. matters. But I just, I can't imagine, you know, it just being whatever temperature in my kitchen. You know, it's usually, I don't know, with the oven on, probably 73, 75 degrees And in there are there. plenty of things. Well, I've wondered a little bit about modern refrigeration and its place in baking and what that means when it comes to historical baking. You know, moms across Great Britain made a Swiss roll. It needed to be between the months of September and March. Like, was that... Our, how did that work? If it was a really hot day, was it just not happening? I actually can talk a little bit about that when we get to um, my recreation of the bake, because I definitely use my modern conveniences to make my roll in the, a lot of time. There's no way around it, but you know when they're like, you know, they're like fanning with like their their cookie sheets or or whatever. It is I I don't know. You don't know, as in like you don't know how they got it done, and it still managed to look decent. Right. Or, you know, it's like you're dealing with the the elements of, you know, on top of everything else that you're trying to get done. Yeah, I didn't struggle with that as much, but I did have my share of problems. I'm not sure that I would call my bake a success. Oh, really? Well, we will we'll get there in a little bit. Did you did you have any thoughts as about, you know, this set of bakers or when people were walking into the tent or anything like that? We all have our favorites. And Well, that's a cool thing about the baking show is that with a lot of other reality or competition style TV, you might have your bottom people. Like, I don't know who I like, but I know I don't like this person. And on Bake Off, it's more like, well, they're all great, but these are my favorites. And so my three, and I was actually going to ask you what your three were. My three are probably Chetna and Luis and Richard. I'm with you on Richard. Uh, I was a big fan of him the first time I watched through the season, and and I like him now. I actually am a huge Martha fan. She uh, see you mentioned enough, and I'm like, oh, Martha. How did Martha not? And and it's just because I am so impressed. Yeah, I was like, you're 17 years old. I think I might have cooked three things by the time I was 17 years old. Right. I, you know, that just wasn't part of my life at that time, especially not at the level, you know, and she holds her own. It's not like she like got there as like stunt casting. No, no. And then I'm kind of a toss up uh, between my third spot between Nancy and Kate. Um, okay. I, I like, you know, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I was, I'm always just kind of drawn to Kate. I think she's got great hair. She's hot. Um, <laughs> yeah, Kate's and, way hot. And, and neither of us would even be into her. So that's not a sexual thing. Just objective. You know, she seems really interested, but there's something that what I like about Nancy is, so there's something that happened in the signature bake where it's like her outer coating wasn't coming together. And she's like, you know what? I'm just going to blend this up. We're going to do something different with it. It's going to be okay. And, you Admirable. know, and the, one of the hosts was like, oh my gosh, are, aren't you, are you worried about this? And she goes, no. That's like, right. Cause you've been cooking forever. And so you've rolled with the punches and this is just like you do it in your home kitchen. It's like, well, I plan to do that. That failed. Moving on. I want Nancy to pilot my plane. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you remember, it happened earlier this year, a plane went down, and there was this fairly heroic pilot who, well, not just fairly, this heroic pilot who managed to bring it down safely. I feel like Nancy and that pilot would have a lot in common. Yeah, people who are just cool under pressure, and, and there's a, you know, it doesn't seem like the, even in this first episode, that the the tent phased her. No. Nope. Like, at some point, she says, and this is the problem with making notes, because I'm looking back through my notes. Here we go. I wrote, Nancy is authoritative and confident. Like, yeah. Yep. Just like, this is how it, oh, I remember. It was from the technical. Because um, she just says, oh, well, you have to flower your cherries. Right. And everyone else is like, I think, maybe, am I remembering this right? Oh, I hope this is right. And Nancy's just like, oh, yeah, you got to flower your cherries. Right. She has the confidence of somebody who has been doing this stuff for ages and yep. you know she doesn't have to look she just knows yep nancy's the bomb so you ended up with nancy martha. i think i would put nancy above kate even though i love kate i was like richard martha and nancy <sighs> yeah yeah they're all goodies i was like i i like louise but it was like this honey's from my own orchard it's like oh come on <laughs> but there is a moment where they catch he doesn't know anybody's watching but he's cleaning up his workstation oh and i'm like like cleaned up his own work i love that man like to me it's like at the end of a meal when you like try to tidy up your table because you know that somebody's gonna have to bust it to me that's like a mark of a really nice person maybe maybe too nice but at the same time like Luis, you know there's got to be a team of people who are going to render this place spotless as soon as they clear the bakers out. And he's still like, do do do, dusting off my, my table, got to leave everything at right angles. I mean, there's something about that level of consideration and maybe compulsion that I find really adorable. This cast also has a couple of like tropes that i really like so i really love the the older bakers that they cast there's usually one woman and one man norman. in every season um norman yeah i was like oh norman i i know that this is just like stereotype in my head of what britain's like but to me all old white men in britain are retired vicars <laughs> and i know that's not true there's just there can't be that many churches it's not south georgia yeah and good point so, <laughs> but and he's like you know retired what is it a, a merchant marine or uh he did radio work with yeah. the armed forces and so i was like oh you're just you're so great mm -hmm. he mentions his dog and loving yeah his dog. I, I appreciated that yep there were two dogs mentioned actually claire has a dog too oh that's right Named trevor the first one up <laughs> 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 Which is, I'm pretty sure, like, the English version of naming your dog Kevin, which I'm a fan of that dog naming style. Where it's like, what's the most human, unexciting name I can give my dog? This is my dog, Wayne. I don't know. I thought, going back through it, I was like, wow, this is a cast I really remember, and I really like all of them. Maybe, you know, there aren't people who made a strong impression because maybe they didn't stay as long, but what's the, the nerdy guy's name? Jordan. Jordan. I... You know, he goes home relatively early, and I forgot that that happened. I thought that he was on there for much longer because I remember him really well. He has a strong personality. Uh, or, yeah. like you said, memorable. It's not that way with every season. And No. But with this season, definitely. I feel like I know more people by name. I've also watched this season twice. I watched it the first time through and, of course, gobbled it up. And then watched it another time through later. And now I guess this is technically my third 
watching it for this podcast. So maybe that's part of why I know other people. But it's the one that I wanted to rewatch. Do you have any favorite accents? So I like Norman's accent because I there are times I cannot understand what he's saying. I have to listen with this. I have to watch with the subtitles on. <laughs> so I don't watch with subtitles on, but there's sometimes like if I'm not like looking at the screen or something, it'll just, it all kind of rolls together and I get the gist of what it is. As two people from the South who hopefully have, you know, battened out, you know, or beat out some of our accent, we're not really in a place to judge a gobbledygook accent. No, we become intelligible <laughs> with time, but we can fake a real unintelligible Southern accent. Right. I was like, you know, we, we have people we know very well who we can't understand them. Or have to think for a minute after they finish talking and then respond. Right. Like, <laughs> and I like Ian's accent. Same. And also Claire. Yeah. I, at some point she says, I don't know why I'm crying over cake. Like, I down too. <laughs> like don't worry claire we'd all cry over cake right exactly i was like i don't want to cry over cake either yeah yeah but i will at some point i will one of my favorite things from the episode is that they have favorite equipment and I counted a couple of different pieces of equipment and Norman has a lucky spoon. Nancy has a little gadget that her probably very crafty husband made for her for like guillotining cakes so that they will be perfectly even. And I wondered, do you have any... Oh yeah, and Norman has a loose-bottomed cake tin that's pretty fun. Well, he also made his uh, Swiss roll display thing that looks like a skateboard. And Richard does a lot of making things. I can't remember if he did this week. Did Richard make anything? I don't think he did. And he keeps a pencil behind his ear like he's about to give an estimate. And that is adorable. (laughs) And I, I really appreciate all of this stuff. I sold housewares for a while, and so gadgets are pretty appealing to me. And every time somebody has a new gadget, I think, hmm, do I need one of those? I anticipate I'm going to be buying some things while we bake through this. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Did you have to use anything? Well, we haven't. Never. I keep trying to talk about our bakes, and we're not there yet. Let's, you know, let's kind of go through. I have a couple of questions about, like, baking tactics of things that I saw on the show that I didn't understand why they were doing. Okay. So maybe you can shed some light on Oh, boy. Jeez. So (laughs) we'll see how good we are, you know, the blind leading the blind a little bit here. Okay. So when they, in the signature, when they were doing the Swiss rolls, a lot of people were rolling their cakes while they were still warm, but they still had, like, a paper or a tea towel or something in the middle of them. Right. Why? I think in that case, it was because they, once a cake becomes cooled, I think that its shape becomes more set and it loses a flexibility than it has when it's still warm. And so they want to get that flexibility that will allow the cake to roll easily into the shape that they want. The reason why they, I think, are using parchment or a tea towel to roll it are so that the cake won't stick to itself when they're doing that practice roll to get it used to the shaping. And that way it rolls back out to flat more easily so that they can not lose any cake, not have it get stuck, ice it, and then roll it back again without the without the paper. Okay, well, that makes sense. 
I just I was seeing that and I was like, I saw it too. So how are how are you getting your filling in there? Are you piping it? And then I saw the same people rolling it again with stuff, yep. and I was like, I what <laughs> what's going on? Why would you do that? That doesn't make sense. Okay. The other thing I didn't get how they were doing, and maybe you've got an answer for this one too. So a couple of people, Jordan, Richard, somebody else, and it's escaping me, put a pattern on the outside of their cake. I understand that they were, you know, piping, icing, or some sort of something that was going to set into, onto, what were they piping it onto? Was that wax paper? Was that acetate? What's that backer? I don't know what the backer is. My question about that would be like, when it adheres... They didn't bake it on. They they didn't bake it with it on, did they? I don't. Maybe I don't. I don't because if they baked it with it on, it can't be wax paper because that's wax true. paper. It all uh, over it. There you go. Yeah. Yep. So if if any listeners <laughs> are ever tempted to put wax paper in their oven, please don't. A uh, common mistake. It is not the same as parchment. It is not parchment paper. Yeah. Very different thing. Parchment paper is actually um, coated in silicone. Oh, I didn't realize that. Now you know. <laughs> The more you learn. So I, I saw that and I was like, that's really pretty. I don't understand how that technique is working, but that looks really pretty. Yep. I would. I think I would give that a shot. I like that you, if you screw up, you can toss it pretty easily because you're not putting it directly onto the cake. So if you try to pipe onto your parchment or acetate or whatever you're using and then it goes poorly, you can just junk the whole thing. Oh, another point, Luis did something interesting in his showstopper where he was going to, he's using pipettes so that you can do your own lemon drizzle. Yeah. And I find that idea really fun because it takes something, it's a little bit like performance art, but with food. But I've seen it a lot on, what's that Netflix show where they show really potentially controversial, really exciting things happening in the world of cooking and chefs where like they bring you a dome and the dome is filled with smoke uh, made with a cold smoker and it's full of this aroma and it's part of the eating experience that you lift the dome and you just smell it there's nothing that you eat and so the idea of it being kind of performative which I know is not probably what Luis was thinking but it's what it made me think of so it's like you get your cake you pipe your little lemon drizzle onto your cake and it has the dual help of not turning your lemon drizzle cake into a sloppy sloppy mess by the time people eat it and I was kind of into it and that's what I thought was really smart I was like the judges are getting the freshest cut of this cake they possibly could have because all that liquid yep. is going to make things get a little soggy. Even if it dries, it's mm-hmm. going to change the the structure of, of the inside, of, of the crumb. And and it moves to the bottom, right. too. You're going to end up eventually with a much wetter cake at its base than at its top. And so, you know, this is a lot more controlled. And I thought, yeah. that, you're right, I thought that that was pretty, pretty bright. The only thing I don't like is that it generated trash. That's true. But, you know, I mean, if you're baking anything like mine, like, it generates... It's not the most eco-friendly activity in the world. No. All the plastic wrap. Oh, it makes me feel bad. But I know there are a lot of people who wouldn't feel bad about it at all. So, uh, what what can you do? Were there any particular bakes across the week that you remember or that you were really impressed by? 
this is a little less positive, but Claire uses nonpareils, those little ball sprinkles on her showstopper, and I hate them. Really? I feel like they're going to crack a tooth. <laughs> I get so scared of them. Like, I've got crap teeth. Like, I've, I've got more filling than tooth at this point. And so I look at those and think, mm-mm, no thank you. Like, I wouldn't even try hers because of those nonpareils. Be like, no thank you. That, that's more expensive than a sprinkle should be because it's going to cause some sort of dental issue. Do you like those? I, I don't mind them. To me, they are, it's like the worst way to add a crunch. Yeah. You know, it's like there's yeah. so many other things that could add a crunch. You could add nuts or you could candy something or do a caramel or, or and I realize that that's, you know, that texture element is really important. And so it really easily adds a crunch, but. And they're cute. Yeah, but it's almost like childish. And I think that that wasn't really what she was going for. Mm-hmm. And so I think it really kind of detracted from the look of what she was trying to do. I, I kind of like the look of them because they are childish. I feel like I see something that's childlike and or something that I know a little girl would look at and think, wow, and that can be kind of exciting. But again, it's just about that, that dental, exp- I think just about everybody has had the experience of biting into something that was supposed to be delicious and instead it's some um, antique. <laughs> and so, especially sprinkles because they claim to last forever and I don't think they actually do. One that I thought looked really delicious was Chetna's. I'm always so attracted to her flavors. Oh, Chetna's, excuse me, I, I should have been more specific. Chetna's signature. Her Swiss bake, roll. Her, her Swiss roll looked amazing. Uh, yeah cardamom cinnamon oh and it had lots of cream and i thought it was cute that she her split and she had kind of a um like we were talking about having the ideal reaction to things not going so well and she's like nothing a little bit of cream won't fix and she was right yep nobody noticed it was great looked delicious so those were my two. What what did you think looked? Uh, see, I I really like Chetna's too. I thought hers was decor like her her Swiss roll was decorated beautifully. I loved the the chocolate flowers that she had on top. I I thought oh, that so it was just very elegant. And there were some that like didn't come together. I forget who had a, like a a red cake with a, a Swiss roll that didn't quite come together. But I thought that was really pretty. But I, you know, I've got to say, like you know, Starbaker of the week, Nancy, her her Jaffa cakes just looked so elegant and so smart, and yes. it bakery right, quality. but it didn't even look that complicated. I was like, oh, I bet I could make that. I, I thought that some people got dinged in the showstoppers for stupid things. So uh, mm. I think that your, your homegirl Chetna, you know, is like, oh, I think it should be less than four layers. Who cares? It, exactly. It was like. So you just don't like it because it's too tall and she didn't take your advice. We'll yeah. screw off. I thought that was kind of dumb too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are you supposed to eat it? You hold it in one hand and pick the, uh, it's not, like lots of them weren't bite-sized. No. You just pick off one layer and eat it, pick off the next layer and eat well, it. And that's like, the thing, it's not patisserie. Like you said, a mini cake. Well, most of those are not going to be bite-sized. And so. It's not like it was six inches across. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, you wouldn't need to cut it into slices, which reminds me of one of the most annoying things my husband has ever done. I made mini bunt cakes because I wanted to play with a mini bunt pan. And there was one bunt cake that, it's the Nordicware type, and it has little ridges. Right. And this one particular cake, I think, has 16 ridges around it. And my husband cut a 1 16th slice of a mini bunt cake. <laughs> ate it, <laughs> wrapped up the remainder in plastic wrap, and walked away. It's a mini cake. It was maybe like 
five inches across, and he cut one sixteenth of it and left the rest. I wanted to punch him. Well, I really that's did. some self control because I've never eaten yeah. that little of a cake. It's so obnoxious. I, I feel almost insulted when someone can have that little and walk away. <laughs> but I know it's not about me. It's about him. Like, I, I love that story about him, about just sort of like he, he's the guy who can eat like half an Oreo. What do you think about the judging this week? Do you think that they got it right from what we could see? I think that they they did get it right. I think that Nancy was textbook correct. And I think that Claire, I think it was really neck and neck between Claire and Jordan, who probably should have gone home. Yeah. And I think Claire was that bitty bit under. I won't worry about who falls in the middle and what order they fall in, because I don't think it really matters. No. What matters is who do they think is at the top and who do they think is at the bottom. And I will say that, Claire handled criticism. In fact, they all, I feel like this is a class in how to handle criticism because they all handle it so gracefully. Mm -hmm. And there was one minute when Claire defended and said, well, that's what I like. And I think that that's completely reasonable to say, you know, I disagree with whatever the judges say, but not to be aggressive or overly hurt or insulted and it's okay to be a little bit hurt but not to i don't know am i making sense right well they know what they signed up for and part of it's being critiqued and getting the opinion of these two you know luminaries of the cooking world and so that's part of the gig something i did notice in the judging is they don't like it when the contestants are funny why not oh really i, I think it's jordan made like a little joke about how his stuff came together and mm -hmm the like just the glare that they gave them oh, <laughs> i was like I mostly like paul i was like okay i was like you're yeah. the funny one uh, we got it <laughs> yeah that's not in my favorite uh, my other favorite Jeez. look from a judge this week was mary berry watching ian do that scoring and rolling his swiss cake <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I. she knew. She knew what was going to happen. The second he no did the question. first thing, she was like, no. No. <laughs> and they, I think that one of the hosts says, like, don't be inscrutable. <laughs> exactly. like, I don't think she was inscrutable, No, I was like, actually. I knew exactly what she was thinking. Yes, like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Sorry, guys, we got pulled away. Well, I got pulled away. Mac was ready to do that thing as per usual. But uh, my husband needed to use my computer to do work stuff. So rude. Ugh. I know. I know. It's garbage. He got that taken care of. Do you want me to go first or you want to go first? How about you go first? But first, let me ask you, did you do the signature, the technical, or the showstopper? I did the signature bake. Which so was? I made a Swiss roll. Excellent. Which is something I have always wanted to try, so I'm interested. I, yeah, I didn't really know a lot about it going in. And so <laughs> we were, when we were talking, you were mentioning that you were going to make a Swiss roll for Christmas and you sent me the recipe. And so I totally did it. Yes. You tested my recipe for me. Thank you. As it I did. It? And, and I'm going to actually give you a couple of tips because I think it could Ooh, be improved. Yay. Okay, good. So can you go ahead and, and say what the, the cookbook and the author is? Because I do want to give credit. 
So the recipe is for a Yule log from the Back in the Day Bakery Cookbook. I believe it's their second book. And I love everything they do. It's fabulous. The Back in the Day Bakery is a small independent operation in Savannah, Georgia, run by Cheryl and Griffith Day. And their cookbooks, uh, they've put out, well, there are two sort of full-length cookbooks and then I haven't gotten a hold of them yet but there are a few that are smaller and I think the recipes may have been pulled from the original books but they're like little cute versions but anyway their um, books are what I go to when I want a crowd pleaser when I know the recipe is going to turn out well it is going to be well liked by everyone present and often it has a very southern spin so they do something for example called a biscone so it's like a biscuit meets a scone and that's something I think I think is fun because it's a little bit classic, but with a Southern twist. So I decided to make this on a school night. So I got home Great from plan. work. Great plan. I actually made dinner. And then as soon as we got done eating, I was like, all right, it's time to make the Swiss roll. You're a so mad I, man. I told Siri to give me two and a half hours on the clock. And I went and literally 30 seconds in, I dropped an egg on the floor and went, oh! <laughs> You're very stressed. It was and, intense. And my husband was like, Oh, I wish I had that on video. That was hilarious. You're just like the people on the show. <laughs> now we know. We know why they're being so spastic. It's because you're like, two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. And, and so the so the way you make, so my the sponge cake, you know, it's a Yule log. It's a take on, like, it, it's supposed to look like traditional and Christmassy. Mm-hmm. And so this is a, a basic sponge cake, which is just a, a cake with no fat in it. And and then it's rolled around an espresso buttercream and then covered on the outside in a basic chocolate buttercream. So when you say a cake with no fat in it, does do I should I take that to mean that your cake did not include butter or oil? Uh, correct. I think it okay. had like maybe a quarter of a cup of oil. Interesting. So like okay. very little oil, and then most of the rise is through eggs. Okay. So you when you put the the flour and all of that together, that's just with the yolks, and then you whip all the egg whites until you get stiff peaks with some cream of tartar and some sugar, and you fold that stuff in to make it as light as possible. Which is a lot more complicated than I think what's more standard, which is using baking powder, which is a chemical leavener. So it's definitely the slightly more difficult route. Did you were you successful with getting some lift out of it? Yeah, so, and the thing is, you don't want a ton of lift in a sponge cake because you're also baking it on, a, like, a baking sheet. And so uh, you don't cook it in, like, a cake tin or anything like that. I just used the normal, like, cookie sheets that I use. And so you put down parchment paper and it spreads across the whole thing. So I would say maybe it was, you know, two inches tall, maybe two and a half. Um, okay, and it just cooks, good. and it cooks straight through for, like, 20 minutes. And so it comes out really fast, and you really just want to cook it until it is just baked. Because if it starts to brown on the outside, it's going to start to crack when you roll it. Okay. And, and so you want it to have color, and you want it to be done, but it still needs to be able to roll. And because we were doing this timed, I popped it immediately into the freezer. Okay, uh, Because I needed it to cool down because I needed to ice it before I rolled it. I did not pre-roll like a lot of the people on the show did because my recipe didn't call for it. But I can see where maybe that would have helped. Okay. So I did that. And while that was in the oven, I was you know steady baking my buttercream, which was uh, you put some milk, flour, and espresso uh, on the stove and uh, some butter. And you're whisking that together. And then you're mixing that with some um, butter that you've got whipping into air uh, with your stand mixer. There is... Literally no way to do any of this to time without a stand mixer, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Maybe, you know, some of the people on the show managed to do it, but not with the the different kinds of things that I was making. 
Absolutely not. And there's so many components to what you're making. Right. And so the I think the espresso turned out really well. Uh, I just used espresso powder. I didn't like make a cup of espresso. I think it would have worked either way. When you say espresso powder, do you mean instant coffee or do you mean that you ground espresso beans? I meant that I bought like pre-ground espresso beans and okay. from like Publix and just, you know, used however much they called for. And what I figured is I was like, you know, I bet it's better dissolved in this milk. But if I get the buttercream done and it doesn't have a strong enough flavor... I can always toss in some more. Smart. By the time I was done with my buttercream, my cake was cool. So I brought it out of the oven, tipped it over, and that's when you you ice it all the way to within like an inch of the edges. And I thought I was going to roll it like long ways. And so it was going to be like tall, but like like I was going to roll from the short ends of the okay. cookie sheet. But instead that you roll from the long too. end. Oh. Yeah. But no, you're rolling from the long end. So it's a really long cake. Okay. And so, and it, that part actually went pretty well. I didn't have any trouble getting it off the parchment paper. It didn't fold or anything like that. Cracks? Any cracks? There were a couple of cracks, but not terribly. And I think I could have rolled it a little tighter, honestly. I think I could have gotten more swirl out mm-hmm. of my length had I known what I was doing a little bit better. But I was so afraid that it was going to crack that I don't think I put as much strain on it as i could have i also think if i were making this not under time i wouldn't have stuck it in the freezer because when i brought it out it got a little moist um yep because it you know it it, the condensation oh i skipped a step so i also put a coffee syrup which is just like a strong cup of coffee with equal amounts of sugar in it on top of it to help with the roll so it didn't crack as much and it had a little bit of liquid in it it also gave it a bit a bit more coffee flavor. So you poured coffee over the sponge, then spread it with, or the coffee syrup over the sponge. Then yeah, you yeah, spread I brushed it, with the it on there cream. and then pour it. Okay, smart. <laughs> that would have been a bit much. <laughs> exactly. Then, I made and, a soup. Yeah, delicious. I need it. And uh, and then I'd be awake for a very long time. Right. And then you rolled and you had only minimal crackage, but right. there was some condensation. So it was probably sticking to your fingers a little bit. It was sticking to my fingers a little bit. And, uh, and also um, when I, I dumped it out, I dumped it onto more parchment paper. So it was kind of sticking a little bit to the parchment as well. But I think that that's the best way because parchment doesn't really want to stick to the cake as much. Uh, And so it really rolled really nicely, but I had to do that pretty fast because the buttercream in the middle needs to set before you ice the outside. So I popped that in the refrigerator to get it to set once it was rolled up. So while that was going on, I was making the chocolate buttercream, which is just, you know, a fairly standard, you know, melt some chocolate, put it in with your normal buttercream ingredients and make that. I was, you know, looking at it and I got my buttercream done and it was this like light brown color and with as long and kind of thin as the cake was, I I didn't really, I didn't want to do like the normal Yule log decorations because it was like candy, some rosemary, make some pistachio snow. And I'm too cheap to buy things just to decorate with. (laughs) That's intelligent, honestly. You know, I just. You're going to eat it. You're going to eat it in like five minutes. Right. And I was like, to candy, nobody's going to eat that candied rosemary. It's basically just a twig that somebody's going to take off of there. And I love rosemary. And I, and that's the thing. Like they, on the show, they always call it rosemary kind of soapy. And I was like, rosemary is one of my favorite herb flavors. Mine too. It's the only pine tree I want to eat. And I want to eat all of it. Exactly. Someday in my future home, we're going to have a rosemary hedge to keep out the peasants. That is, <laughs> that is my current plan. Yeah. Surely in some sort of like pagan or Wiccan ritual that mm-hmm. it, ha- it has some sort of power behind it. I'm going to make crowns out of it and wear it, wear them to town. That sort of thing. I don't, I don't know if you know this, but the reason that they plant holly out outside of so many places is that it's, it's a traditional ward against evil. I did not know that. My yeah. grandmother I mean, has holly planted outside her house and it tries to grab you. Right. I mean, it's a traditional evergreen, so I mean, it looks good in every season, but like that's, 
the the old wives tale version of why you see so much holly so i didn't want to do that but i was looking at my light brown buttercream on my long thin cake and i was like this is gonna look like a turd no (laughs) because i mean that's it's just a long cylinder that's gonna be covered in brown yep Uh, on a plate that's a look that is and and i was like okay so this needs something yes and so i i (laughs) with the turdiness of it all right so it doesn't look like such a turd so it looks like you know i and so i looked over and i had one orange in my fruit bowl and so i i grabbed it and used a peeler to peel off strips of it and then i cut those into little strips and i candied some orange peel and so how you candy something is you just, you boil equal parts water and sugar, and you toss all of that in there and you let it simmer. You want to go for about 45 minutes to an hour. I did 35 minutes because I didn't have the time and I, it turned out just fine. Perfect. I took that out and I, and then I put some slivered almonds on the top and you did three little bunches of the candied orange peel on all sides. And I have to say it turned out really well. It was really pretty. You sent me a picture of it. Yeah, and so please go to our Instagram. You can take a look at the pictures. We also cut it so you could see the swirl. The swirl looks pretty good. Oh, one thing I also did is I trimmed off the ends. So it's not going to bake even on the ends, once you've, but once you've rolled it, you can cut about an inch and a half off of each side to give you that good flat end for a Swiss roll. Oh, that's that's what you're looking for. Like That's what makes the, the Swiss roll so exciting, really, is that swirl inside. Right, and so it did have a pretty good swirl inside, but... One thing that I would, so there's a couple of things about this recipe that I would change. I, I think it has a lot of good flavor. I think the sponge is light. Uh, I think the coffee is a good mix with, you know, chocolate. I think the candied orange peel actually kind of adds, it gives you something kind of fruity and, and a little different to go with it. Yeah, very Christmassy too. I mean. Yeah, and chocolate and orange is, you know, a classic Christmas flavor. A couple of things though. So if you look at the picture, it's actually kind of hard to see the swirl because the buttercream filling and the sponge are both really light. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I probably, I mean, like, I think maybe either coloring the sponge or maybe adding a little cocoa powder to it or something to give it a darker color oh, like would that. have really helped. Of course, because I've been interested in a lot of like mid-century atomic type stuff lately. I find myself thinking you should diet an electric green because what? like I, I think that that would have worked, or even like you know, or even gone like a red velvet kind of fruit. Oh yeah, and, I and you know, I think that that would have been really pretty with the the chocolate outside and all of that. Didn't Kate do a red velvet in the? Um, she in did, the and I thought yep. that it. And then they told her it was a little dry, but I think that it was one of the more striking, like to look at. And it's easy to get a chocolate cake dry because, right. or, or any colored cake to have it be more dry because it's so hard to tell when it's done. And so you can't really see it, and and know it's there. The other thing that I thought about this cake is so. As you can tell from all the like the buttercream I've been saying, it's a very rich cake. You want half a piece. Yeah, I mean, it's very sweet. One piece is going to do you. But everything in it was really soft. Mm-hmm. And so like the sponge is really soft and airy. And the buttercream is really creamy. And so I thought it could use a crunch, a, a caramel, a nut. Because uh, I just I put like enough nuts on there for like decoration, but they... That you didn't really get one in every bite. No. And so I, I'm almost wondering if in the swirl, either, like for the interior, either adding some sort of crunch element to it, you know, a, like I said, a, a caramel, a granola, something like that, or that the interior needs to be 
something that has a different flavor to it to give it a little to not have it such a a sweet thing so a, a couple of people had curds in the middle of theirs and i think that that actually would have worked really nicely maybe maybe like a raspberry jam or a raspberry something sharp in the middle would have worked a bit better because I, uh, I, th- I thought this was good but it has a tendency to go to mush yeah and there was a time in my life when i thought like oh you know people say oh that dessert's too sweet i was mm-hmm. like i don't know what you're talking about it's dessert it's supposed to be sweet you know what are you talking yeah. about <laughs> we're southern but i i kind of think this was yeah i get that like i found myself as i age wanting if i have cake for example i want a cup of coffee with it without sugar in the coffee like i want something to cut sweetness somewhat or i won't enjoy it as much Right. So, but I think it went well. So I took it, I daylight a piece that night and then I took it to work the next day and got pretty positive reviews from it. Everybody really liked it. Did it evaporate? Was it gone by the end of the day? It, it wasn't. We were kind of low staffed yesterday though. Okay. So, all but right. in, in all of the one-on-ones I had that afternoon, people started off our meeting by going, did you make that cake in the break room? Ooh. It's fantastic. Ooh, and- that's a nice day. <laughs> I know that that is how you want to. I was like, I wish all of my employees would start our meetings with a compliment. Yeah, absolutely. Jeez, <laughs> I was like, all meetings should be compliment, compliment, question. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's. A, <laughs> I'm gonna have to if I ever am in a position to make that demand of anyone. I'm going to say, this is how you do it, people. This is how <laughs> this is how we relate. And uh, yeah. But actually, and I will say one of them was like, she didn't know that I was doing this or anything, but she was like, that's the sort of thing that you would see on like the Great British Bake Off oh! or something. And you're like, little do you know. And I was like, like it's <laughs> funny that you should mention that. Aww. You're like, because you should listen to it and leave a review. Do <laughs> like, A really positive <laughs> review. Like, and do the, I will say the only downside of doing this cake, especially this quickly, I dirtied so many dishes Ooh. in while I was cooking mm-hmm. because it's bake in one tin and roll on another and chop all these things up and reduce this over here and, and ice this over here. And I had to clean out, I had to clean my stand mixer two or three times for different sure. stuff that was going into it right. and fold stuff into this bowl and hold this over here. It was like, I did a load of dishes in the middle because you had no more room on your counter. Right. Well, and, and the sink was overflowing. And so, but I will say if you cook like this, there wasn't a lot of downtime. Usually when I'm a baker, you know, you can go do a load of laundry or watch a TV show. And I actually thought that like, oh, I'll listen to podcasts or something while I'm doing this. But to cook at this speed, I found that I had to just cook. Right. Like I could talk to Dale a little bit because he was in the living room, but that was it. I was cooking and and going at it. Do you think if you had this to do again, how much time would you truly need to do it and be relaxed and enjoy the process? So if you didn't want to have to crazy multitask, I would say give yourself about four hours to do this. Okay. And you did it in two and a half. Yeah. And and I think that if, and I think that it's because, and you can make those buttercreams at any point. So like I would say, you know, if you know you're going to do this recipe, you can at any, there are a lot of stopping points in this recipe. So you Mm. can stop once you've made the sponge, wrap it up airtight. It'll keep for a couple of days. Same with the buttercreams. You can make them, keep them in an airtight container, and they'll probably keep for two or three days. So, but I I wonder once this all is made, how long it truly will keep because the sponge is so light. I think it's going to start to go stale pretty fast. Yep. So you probably, this isn't a cake you can make two or three days before 
wherever you're going. It's it's not that hardy. And it sounds as though it feeds quite a few. So it sounds like a perfect centerpiece, exciting party cake. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't make this for just you or yours. Or if you're going to do it, have everything and make it on a half sheet pan. Yes. There's no sense. reason that there's no reason that all of this can't become, you know, smaller and smaller and smaller. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, I think that this is something that's going to scale really easily. And I would almost, you know, once you cook the sponge, you could almost cut it in half, you know, and, and stick one in the freezer and Makes sense make, to me. Yeah, I, I mean, that would be a really easy way of going about it. Or you could do two flavors based off of something like that. I do a lot of um, giving half of something away to friends. Like, here, here's half a cake. <laughs> I know it's weird, but here's half a cake. Because it's Thursday and I made a cake. Whenever I bring something into the office, it's like, here's two thirds of something. Yeah, exactly. We ate it at home and now we would like you all to eat it. You and, know, despite the fact that everybody's on a professed diet right now. Yeah, well, yeah, whatever, whatever. It's it's December. Yeah. <laughs> Hush. Nobody's on a diet in December. No, <laughs> we refuse. It's cold and we eat what we want. So some final questions about your bake. What did you learn about baking? I feel like I learned that... Well, first off, I learned that you can roll cake, you know, mm -hmm. and that's something that you can do and that it's actually not as specialized as it looks. It You get a lot of wow for not a lot of skill on this. Oh, I like that. And and, and that's and that can be really valuable when you're going out and presenting stuff out to people. Uh, the other thing that I, I learned, I this was my first time successfully candying something. Ooh. I tried to candy some ginger over Thanksgiving and scorched it because I didn't watch my water enough. Oh, right. You have to stand right over it, I assume. No, it's just because it goes for so long, it's easy to put it on the back burner. And that's what I did. I literally put it on my back burner. <laughs> There's a reason why that phrase exists. And didn't look at it. And just, you know, 40 minutes later, it had burnt all the water out and I had scorched it to crap. So, did you ruin the pan too? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had to use some uh, barkeep's uh, assistant to I straight up. up ruined an all-clad saucepan boiling Ouch. water for tea. Yeah, it was painful. Like, couldn't use it anymore? No, it was gone. It was dead. Like, wow. Yeah. I was like, I mean, this was an all-clad pot. Now, like, I mean, it needed some TLC, but so. I'm, I'm, I'm dangerous. I have learned that timers are my friend. No matter yeah. what I'm doing, I need a timer. Something needs to beep and remind me to go back well, and to the There show. were so many bakers on this episode who were just like, I don't use timers or like, I just know or I never use a timer at home. Mm. Must be How? nice. Must be nice. How? Yeah, I don't get Baking it. is a science, and and so many things can become crap. Yes. On just a few minutes on either side. Definitely. Like um, any any sponge. Like in right. the episode, it talks about how there's like a perfect ten second span when something is ideal, and then you're over. And if you shoot before that, obviously you're under. And and I think that I also learned that it's probably easier to do it at home than it would be there because like I know how all of my tools work. I know how my oven runs. I know, you know, where all of my tools live. And so that's, you know, I know that how cold my freezer is. And I think that that is something that the people on the show are really fighting against that we don't really give them enough credit for. Yeah, that's true. That is a really good point. So other questions. Would you serve it to friends? I think we already have an answer. Yeah, absolutely. Would you bring it to an event? I think I'd probably decorate it a little bit fancier if it was going to an event. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was a fine presentation for me kind of pulling it out of my butt at the last second. <laughs> Which is funny but, since you said it was off the right, oh, oh, that's <laughs> I unfortunate. Know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, well. Well, I, I was like, 
And, you know, but it's pretty big, so, like, you'd be in pain. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) That's vile, man. Too much fiber. And last... Oh, poop jokes on a baking contest. Uh, Yeah. Well, they make a lot of penis jokes, so... They do. A lot. Would you make it again? I would. I I don't know that I would make this particular thing, but a Swiss roll more broadly. Mm -hmm. I... I think it is because I think it's exciting. It's it's a little different. And honestly, I think that any cake that you could make in like a nine inch round, you could make on a sheet pan and then roll it up. And you've got a lot of similar things, but it's it's more of a look. And mm-hmm. I think that this works for somebody like me who's really bad at like cutting cake in half for layers. That's true. This gives me layers without having to master that skill that I'm not quite at. That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, so... I, I was a big fan. I don't know that I would have necessarily taken something like this on because it looks so intimidating, but I'm glad that I did. Are you ready to talk about your bake, Megan? I think so. Oh, okay. Mac. So what did you do? I did the technical bake, which was a cherry cake. And this was a Mary Berry recipe, and things are about to get controversial. I'll walk you through what I did and then tell you what happened and ask sort of the unanswerable or maybe it's answerable. The question, was it my mistake or was it the recipe? So okay. <laughs> um, I, this is a very simple cake. And one of the things that surprised me about it was that I'm used to on the technical people look at the recipe and say, oh, they, they left out this, that, or the other. And one thing that surprised me is that the recipe itself was not super detailed. It said, for example, when putting the cake together, combine all ingredients. And to me, my standard way of putting together a cake is you cream butter, add sugar, use the sugar to whip aeration into the butter using the paddle on your mixer, and then you add the eggs one by one, allowing them to integrate. And then you do flour in multiple additions to make sure that it is mixed in, but you do everything you can to avoid overmixing. So that's what I did. But it wasn't so different from the technical in that way because there wasn't a whole lot of instruction there. And that surprised me because I figured that it would be, I know that I'd have more information, but I didn't. Um, (laughs) And so luckily I knew what I was doing, but I was like, hey, it's not so unlike the technical after all. I have read before that over time as the expectation that a cook will know how to do a lot of basic functions has receded and it's much more common now to get a recipe that essentially tells you how to boil water and makes the assumption that the reader has very little basic knowledge and so recipes can get very long and involved but actually be fairly simple it's just because they're walking you through every possible step trying to avoid mistakes which frankly I appreciate, but have you ever come across like your grandma's old recipe cards? So there is a, uh, it's it's funny that you're bringing this up because my favorite put cookbook is mm-hmm. Marcella Hazan's like Italian cooking book. Right. And so she was a cookbook author in the mid-century and she was talking about Italian food and she literally wrote the book on Italian food and I have cooked some wonderful things out of her cookbook, but... It's such, it has such a snobby tone to it a lot of times. You know, like, I think that the phrase, like, you know, there's a sentence in there. It's like, you know, any moderately competent cook could achieve this. Whoa, now. And I thought, and I, but I love that expression. It's like, you have standards. You have to know what you're doing. You have to know your way around the kitchen a little bit. You're not just walking in here and making pasta from scratch. That's fair. And so I, I always find stuff like that funny. But I I do, you know, you're talking about like recipe cards where, 
they don't have to write everything down because you know people just know like here's the basic parts of putting a cookie together we're just going to give you the special steps now exactly here it's basically a list of ingredients that says make cookies right <laughs> uh, and that's I, I don't know i have mixed feelings about it because on the one hand that's impressive on the other hand i remember very recently not having that kind of knowledge but still wanting to make cookies so i guess you know there's something for everyone and but this was definitely a recipe that expected that you would know to some extent what you're doing which is fine so because i i think i did I think that that was an appropriate step. Another thing that was interesting to me is that in the recipe listed on the BBC website, there was no option but to weigh your ingredients, which gives you a lot more precision, but it's very common, especially in the United States, to give ingredients by volume. And I thought that was interesting that the expectation is that if you're baking, you have a scale. And now, are I, I you, do. Are you typically a measurer? Like a, a weight measure? I will... If it's an unfamiliar recipe and I really want it to turn out, but at, like for this one, I definitely would have. But for example, I make bread every week and it's such a soft science anyway, because bread is so dependent on, uh, it's very humid here. And I almost always have to add a quarter to half a cup of extra flour to any bread that I make. So measuring is essentially a waste of time. Why am I going to measure flour if... I'm then going to have to add a whole bunch more flour and just wait and see when it begins to come to a ball. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that totally does. I'm usually a weigher, so I really like the weights and all that because it takes the, the margin of error out of volume-based measuring. It irritates me when they don't have them. I prefer yes. for it to be to just, just weights rather than just volume. Right. And you see, and that's actually something I've noticed in cookbooks that are coming out more and more these days is you see a lot more uh, American cookbooks that have weights in them. Which I like. It's very right. positive. You, you used to not see that at all. Yes. And that's a very, I think that shows a greater level of expertise among bakers that that would be considered important and in demand. Absolutely. So you had options to weigh your ingredients and you were Throwing your cake together. Throwing my cake together. One of the things I did, it's a little trick that I really like that I learned from doing a Dory Greenspan recipe from her cookies book. I did lemon, oh, it's French. I want to say sables, but who the hell knows how you're supposed to say sables? Anyway, it's a <laughs> sugar cookie with some lemon in it. And when you use lemon zest in a baked good, you can zest the lemon and rub the lemon zest through your sugar so that your you just rub it between your fingers and because it's spreading the lemon oil from the zest into your sugar and that way that flavor is more evenly integrated into your batter and also interesting it yeah that pressure and that rubbing can also release a little bit more of the flavor and i don't know i really love lemon so any chance to up the lemon flavor in anything I'm making i i try to take so that's a trick that i do now so i rub the zest through my sugar before adding it and while I'm talking about zest, I love zest, but when I tried to do it early on in baking, I thought that zest was just a thin strip of peel, which is true, but you really do need a zester. It's one of those things where if you try to, I used a vegetable peeler the first time I tried to get like zest and it did not go well. It was eating orange peel. It was not orange zest. And so, but when I first used a microplane, I realized like, oh my gosh, this little thingy takes so little that there's no negative repercussions to using this seemingly inedible material. It's it's cut so finely that 
it doesn't have any chew to it. It doesn't get stuck in your teeth. It's just flavor being worked in. And it's, I would argue, more flavorful than like orange juice or anything like that. Yeah, you get a lot of bang for your buck with zest. Definitely. And and the three biggest ones that you typically will see are orange, lemon, and lime. Mm, And I love them all. This recipe called for almond meal, which I don't use very often, but I noticed they do a lot in British baking. And I wasn't careful enough with my recipe and I almost put in seven ounces of almond meal and it called for 1.5 ounces so but I caught myself yeah I poured poured a good uh a bunch of that back into the bag and got it back down to the 1.5 so I missed that mistake so almond meal is in like an almond flour yes and okay I didn't notice a huge difference in flavor necessarily, but like it didn't have a, I think the strong almond flavor really came later in the cake. There was also self-raising flour, which I thought was surprising because I thought that self-raising flour was more of a Southern thing. In fact, my flour brand that I picked up at the Winn-Dixie close to my house was named Southern Biscuit. So (laughs) using my Southern Biscuit flour. But that was interesting to me because that meant that the only leavening was either coming from the self-raising flour or the aeration from whipping the butter, which was not exactly. And so I went ahead, put the cake together. And while it was cooking, I got, excuse me, I, I skipped a step. After mixing up my batter, I cut my cherries into halves. They were very small on the show. It said to do it in quarters, but if I had done that, there would have been no cherries. So cut my cherries into halves, rinsed them because apparently the maraschino syrup that's on them can be a bit much, and then let them dry, toss them in flour to keep them all from sinking to the bottom, which was a trick I actually knew before this episode, but the episode definitely reminded me. Like, definitely. Oh, and by the way, that trick for dusting any mix-in with flour can be used with any fruit, I think maybe even with nuts, that if you're putting blueberries in, if you're putting like chopped strawberries, if you're putting anything in that might drop to the bottom of a cake, dust it in flour before you integrate it because that will keep it suspended in the mixture. Not sure why, but it does. It's sticky. We're going to go with it sticky. I gently mixed in my cherries by hand and I put it in a bunt pan because that is what I had. I didn't anticipate it would fill the bunt pan and it didn't. It was, you know, down near the bottom and that's okay. I baked for 35 minutes and because the recipe said 35 to 45 and when it hit the 35 minute mark, I checked with a toothpick. Toothpick came out clean. I let it sit to cool. And then while it was cooling, I went ahead and mixed up my icing. The icing on the show, Richard had a little bit of a tough spot. So I I was paying attention. I thought that it was about timing because it's at one point, Mary Berry says that Richard, whose icing was too runny, didn't have his timing right. So I thought, oh, okay, I need to wait until the right point with the cake where it's cool enough that the icing's not going to melt and all run off. So, which also might explain why I had two hours to do this very simple cake. I mix up my icing. I squeeze a lemon into my icing sugar, and that's the liquid ingredient. Mix it up, and it looks pretty good. And I have, I turn my cake out onto a wire rack. I give it, it's cooled. Uh, Theoretically, by that point, it was not cooled. And I pour my icing onto the top. All of it runs off along the sides and puddles on my tile countertop. 
tile countertop <laughs> you say yes tile countertop because somebody probably in the mid 90s saved a buck and put tile countertops in our rental home which are now i'm sure crawling with salmonella and your kitchen is the weirdest it's oh my gosh i don't <laughs> understand i don't understand a rental kitchen is it's it's a redheaded stepchild. It's so hard to love. And yeah. that's funny because you're redheaded. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, but I oh, it is it is an ugly thing. And it's all very beige. My whole Ugh. kitchen is is so rosy beige. Anyway, runs off, goes all over the counter. I choose to ignore the salmonella that is probably living in the grout. Scoop it back into the bowl and say, I'll wait. I'll just wait longer and put it back on later. That was an interesting choice. Nobody died. So um, I assume it was okay. Let the cake keep cooling and actually go watch Letterkenny on TV and forget that the competition is going on. Well, competition. The the bake is going on. I look at the clock about five minutes from when we're supposed to call it done and realize that I'm almost out of time and need to put the icing on again. Ah! So I'm toasting my nuts. I, I like sort of manufactured a fake last few minutes sort of experience for myself, even though it didn't require them like, ah! And so I'm toasting nuts in the toaster oven and I'm like, where did I put those maraschino cherries I saved? And I put the icing back on. Some of it still runs off. I slap it on the cake dome or the cake stand. Some of it's still running off. So I've got big, if, when you look at the pictures on Instagram, you'll see there are puddles of icing all around and in the center of the cake. I sprinkle on the almonds. I stick the cherries on top. I take a picture whew, and it's done. And it looks really pretty. I'm really I thought it, like, you sent me the picture and I thought it was so elegant. It's so pretty. And it looks great on, um... A Christmas table too because of those cherries on top and I, I love the way it looks it's pretty gorgeous I would definitely do that presentation again the bunt is a wonderful wonderful pan because it looks so fancy and requires no more of you than a nine inch round however <laughs> when we returned to do the part of the cake that is the most important which is cutting it and i did a little video of cutting the cake which i'll put on instagram also so that it could be seen did the cherries distribute properly so cut cherries distributed in a lovely manner so that trick of dusting with flour does work set it on a plate it lands with a sound kind of like a chink on the plate because that mother is dry Oh, no. It is dusty, dusty dry. I mean, like, there are deserts that would look at that cake and call it dry. I don't know what I did, but I feel like I look at what I didn't think like. But, okay, so the one thing that I did wrong that I think could be responsible, I should have tested it before they said was an average done time. Yeah. I should have tested it. If it said 35 to 45 minutes, then I should test it at, say, 30 or maybe even at 25 because I don't know. I have a small oven and I, I don't know for sure that its heat is dead on, but that's the one thing I could have done to fix it. I will point out in my defense, I think everything else I did correctly except the icing, but the icing wasn't the problem. The icing tasted fine. I think that I should have tested it before it came out or or before it hit the end time. And that if it wasn't that, if I were to make it again and test it before, I would argue it might just be the recipe. Well, I was like, 35 minutes sounds like a long time to bake one cake. Does it? 
I guess it's because I'm I'm coming off of making this Swiss roll that was 15 minutes in the oven. Because it's so flat. Huh. Well, that's sad to hear. My mom. Okay, so here are my responses, and it's a good thing I'm not hypersensitive. Because if I thought it was great, this would have hurt my feelings, but I thought it was dry too. My husband took a bite and said, first thoughts, it's dry. And, like, <laughs> and that's all he said. That's like... There were no. no second thoughts. It was just dry. My mom. Your husband's a verbose man. Yeah. He does talk a lot. He has to get used to you. And the second he starts talking, you wish he wouldn't. But um, <laughs> the my mom is here and I told her, you can try it. It's not very good. And she cut a slice. She's like, oh, cake is cake. She took a bite and was like, this cake is terrible. <laughs> and then she picked a cherry out of it and threw the remainder away. But it's so pretty. It's so pretty. Well, and that's what I was thinking is when I was looking at them making it on the show, it just seemed kind of basic. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like the tricks were getting your glaze right, or icing, Mm -hmm. excuse me, and making sure that the cherries were suspended. And a surprising number of people managed to mess that up. But I got those parts right, but it was dry. It was real dry. And I don't know whether to blame myself. I guess blaming myself isn't the point. I should more look at it and think, next time I make a new recipe, I'm going to check five or ten minutes before the cook time's over. Yeah, and I think that that's something that I know that I do, and I think that a lot of people when they're baking new stuff do, is they just they treat the recipe like it's gospel. You know, if, mm-hmm. I, if I do everything that you say, then mine's going to look like the picture. Magical cake, yeah. yeah. And, it, and, and it's not that way. Yeah. <laughs> No. Mine did look like the picture. It looked fantastic. Well, except for all the puddles of icing underneath, but we're going to ignore this. But yeah, but yeah. Also, I feel like there's a lesson here that might be uh, moral in nature, which is that what looks good on the surface might not be good underneath. <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. Yeah, exactly. We're learning about human nature, about people, all through like, baking. Right. I mean, cake is people. You think cake is people? It has layers. They're sweeter Ooh. on the outside. Uh, oh, that's dark, actually. Sweeter on the outside than on the inside. Yeah, that's, that's they fair. They put decorations on that aren't really necessary, but that make you more attractive to others. Oh, yeah, that is. I was like, oh, cake is humanity is sad. Mm, yeah, I don't like it. I'd rather just eat it. Let's not think about it anymore. I think you've answered a lot of our, our questions. So you did learn some stuff. and I did. The, the look went right, but it sounds like the, the actual bake went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's Right now it's decorating my table. It's decor. Would you try to serve a version of this cake to, to friends or to take to an event? Honestly, I would go with a completely different recipe. A bunt with cherries in it. Absolutely. But I feel like this one did me wrong. I want something with like a little bit more like a pound cake or a sour cream base, something. I would go for a different sponge that had greater density and moisture. Yeah. I think Maybe more some of a, yogurt. A cake feel. Yes. Or a cakier cake. When you were saying like pound cake is right. Because even the sponge I made, it was kind of insubstantial in a lot of ways. Right. And I think was- that. Airy. As Southerners, we're used to Cakes. a heartier cake. My mom made a red velvet cake once and swore it was 10 pounds. I, I mean, I believe her. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the, she doesn't usually do from scratch, but that one, she was like, it could have been a doorstop. If I had dropped it, like, it could have hurt someone. 
Right. So I that's sort of what I'm shooting for. Like I want something with a little bit more heft to it. As much as we said last episode that fiddly wasn't a word mm-hmm. for us, I don't think that dainty is either. No, not really. Well, I like the way it looks, but and I do like a good moose. I like fluff. But Yeah. I just I'm it's not it's not in my go to repertoire though. Yeah. I look at something where it's like, oh, so delicate and like I'd rather have pound cake with something nice slopped on top. But that's kind of where I am. I would not probably attempt this one again, partly because uh, my husband doesn't particularly like almond extract, that kind of flavor, that maraschino cherry flavor. And so I can't get him to eat it and I can't eat a whole cake by myself. So there is a certain amount of compromise happening there. And obviously yeah. I can't get my mother to eat it either. <laughs> like, this is terrible. <laughs> like, I, I am so sad to hear that because I was like, you you have to go look at the Instagram feed because it's such a pretty cake. It's really pretty. Yeah. It, I was like, it looks like it should be on the cover of like Southern Living or something. Oh, stop it. Except it's bad and I know it's bad. So like it would make great. It's, it's the essence of food photography there because you know how it's supposed to be like, oh, it looks like delicious ice cream, but they really make it out of mashed potatoes and like right. put, give it ice cream markings. Like you wouldn't want to eat the stuff that you photograph. And I feel like that's a conversation for another day. What Instagram does to food and like what photography does to food and how delicious food is actually often very ugly. But this was a case of food that was very pretty, but just not quite right. And I think next time I'm going to do better. Next time is going to be more exciting because next time is biscuits. I know it's it's biscuit week, which, you know, it's cookies. Cookies. I mean, cookies and crackers. But I like in a way that they call them biscuits because two out of three of the challenges are savory. They are, yeah. And we don't do a lot of savory cookies. No, no. And I, and as we, yeah, as as thinking about what I'm going to cook for our next record, I I don't really have anything in my wheelhouse necessarily to pull out. I'm going to have to go look for uh, some guidance on on what exactly to make. Do you know what's a savory biscuit that we do have here in the Southland? Cheese straws? There we go. Nailed it. (laughs) And the cheese straw is a Southern favorite, and it is a pressed cookie, a cookie that requires a cookie press. And do you have a cookie press? I do not have a cookie press. I do have a cookie press. And actually, my husband's not a huge sweet eater, but he does love a savory snack. So I was thinking I would kind of like to introduce him to cheese straws anyway. But he could probably get behind a Parmesan triangle. But I've done savory biscuits before and they've been really successful and I'm interested in trying them again. I'm really interested in it because I I love a cracker, which mm. is what this is on a lot of levels. Yes. And if I could figure out a way to, to make them myself or to figure out the, the basics behind it, I think that I could get a lot of ground out of that. If you think of the difference between a store-bought and a homemade cookie in terms of goodness, and then oh. you think about the difference between a store-bought and a homemade cracker... If you could figure out how to knock that shit out of the park, holy moly. And the in the same way that like a cookie is the easiest thing to bake. A, a lot of times. I don't know. A rolled out cookie, I've never had a successful rollout. Which is part of why the showstopper for this episode really leaves me in awe. Because they do amazing things with roll and cut cookies. And I've never made a tasty roll and cut cookie. <laughs> it's always like, mmm, flour. Oh. See, I don't know. For whatever reason, cookies make a lot of sense to me. And I've, I've usually, I've done a lot of different things with cookies. And I usually have a lot of success with them. 
but I just I, I so I'm interested in a way of, of getting this together that that really works mm. and I think that I'd like to learn how to do more savoring baking because I think I could incorporate that more into the the main flow of my life we don't eat a lot of sweets in my house and so I made a beef pot pie yesterday and Ryan liked it right so I, if I could incorporate more baking style stuff into just our normal cooking and eating I, I think that that could be a really good thing to take away from this podcast Thank you all so much for joining us this week. If you like the show, tell a friend or give us a rating or review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else you're listening. You can also reach out to ask questions and let us know what you think at theginghamaltershow at gmail.com. You can also find out more about the show and see pictures of our attempted bakes on Instagram at the handle theginghamaltershow. Special thanks to Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com for our theme music, Cheery Monday, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. All these details and more can be found in the show notes each week. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Megan. And this is Mac. Wishing you a lovely bake.